0: Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments including updated odds on the NBA and NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering needs including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so just head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code Believe. that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. (laughs) And welcome everybody to a brand new episode of the Believe in Clippers podcast, Right here on the Believe Podcast Network, Jesse Cass here with you. Alex Acker will be back with me next week for our show, but have no fear. We have an amazing guest on the show making his second appearance on the show with Clippers TV broadcaster Brian Seaman. So he'll join us in just a few minutes. Don't want to miss that conversation. We talk about everything, including how his offseason's going this past year for the Clippers. Looking forward to next year and the current NBA playoffs going on right now. So a great conversation upcoming with Brian Seaman. Before we get there, though, just got to touch on how these NBA playoffs have have been wild. Uh, a pair of uh, Game 7 blowouts the other night with Boston taking care of Milwaukee after Milwaukee had that 3-2 lead, and then really the story of the weekend uh, and of the second round, the Dallas Mavericks taking down the number one seed Phoenix Suns and doing it with a massive 33-point blowout. They led by almost 50 in that ballgame, just a, a stunner Uh, in the NBA world, was was very active in talking about the Suns' demise, especially our old guy Pat Beverly. He was all over ESPN. We actually touched on that a little bit with Brian, Uh, but uh, a stunner, uh, Luka Doncic, uh, Clipper fans know firsthand, although they won those series, uh, how insanely difficult it is to try to stop him, and other teams are feeling the wrath, so uh, the playoffs are going to be interesting. Luka Doncic with maybe not the world's greatest supporting cast, but he's one round away from being in the NBA finals that's how special he is and for phoenix you know a team that won 64 games in the regular season uh you know they're a team that has been very active in talking they earned that right by by getting to the finals and being the best team all year long but you could feel some animosity with with other players in the league by the reactions on twitter and and clearly uh you know maybe feeling like phoenix was was a little bit too big for their britches now they as we said they've been the best team in the league all year they've been able to earn that right uh but you know there is maybe some feeling that you know they got some some breaks last year with with health uh you know that's no fault of their own but uh they had to play a healthy bucks team didn't get that done last year they play a healthy dallas team here and and dallas is able to get it done so the offseason is, is always incredibly interesting for a number of reasons but What happens in Phoenix in terms of how they try to tweak their roster? We know, DeAndre Ayton wants an extension and he got yanked at the end of that game. So there's so much to go into with that. Uh, And uh, and obviously how that will affect the Clippers in their quest for a title next year. But uh, the NBA playoffs, never short for drama or the NBA itself. So... Uh, As we said, that's part of the conversation. We're not going to make you wait any longer. Brian Seaman on the show to talk about all things surrounding the Clippers in the NBA. It's a great conversation. So enjoy. Brian Seaman here on the Believe in Clippers podcast. And we are joined by our guest here on the Believe in Clippers podcast. Very happy to have him back on the show. Clippers broadcaster, Brian Seaman. Brian, thanks so much for taking the time to come on the show.
1: Always happy to chat Clippers basketball with you.
0: Yeah, and it's obviously this year was such a, a strange year for for a variety of reasons. But, um, you know, Clippers offseason started maybe a little earlier than they thought with, with the play-in tournament. Uh, how's your offseason been so far? Just getting into it maybe, as you said, a little bit earlier than, than you anticipated.
1: You know, it's funny. Um, I'm not very good with change. So when the season ends and I go back into a kind of a civilian life, it takes a minute from going from 100 to I don't want to say zero because I've got family responsibilities, uh, but it's always a a rough couple of weeks after the season ends. And then on the other side of things, it's always a rough start for me (laughs) to go from, you know, being the the dad at home and watching movies every night to now preparing for his season, but it's been awesome. Uh, And, and quite honestly, you know, when the playoffs, when, when the Clippers are in the playoffs and they lose, I find it difficult to watch that next series. I'm jealous of my fellow broadcasters. (laughs) I'm angry and bitter that the Clippers lost, but for some reason this year, I don't feel that way. And I have watched, I I think I've watched 99% of the playoffs. I have loved it. I mean, it has been so competitive, great storylines. Of course, what happened with Phoenix yesterday was something that I don't think any of us really saw. I thought Phoenix was uh, a lock, at least to get to the finals, but it has been awesome, and and uh, I I know that a year from now I think we're going to be very busy. Still getting, uh, <laughs> still getting, still getting Ws. I think hopefully as we head to the conference finals.
0: Yeah, obviously a, a lot of excitement. Looking forward to to this upcoming season with hopefully help health for for Kawhi and Paul George. But what was the season like for you, knowing that so many different things? Obviously the year prior you had the empty stadiums, and and then coming back into the conference finals with that run with the Clippers, and then this year. Kawhi's injury from the previous postseason, all the of the COVID stoppages and replacement players, and just everything that went into this season—a uh, roller coaster year where the Clippers might have, as you said, out, outperformed their expectations with the group that they had.
1: Oh, for sure. You know. I was never optimistic about a Kawhi return. I think he was probably more optimistic than anybody else, which was great. Um, It was great, but I kind of felt like, okay, listen, I don't know if he's coming back in the regular season. Maybe he can come back in the playoffs. So my thought was keep, Keep your head above water and stay competitive. And this team had so many similar vibes to that 2018-19 team that, you know, outperformed in a big, big way. Not only getting into the playoffs, but taking Golden State to six games, winning twice at Oracle Arena. I felt that it was just a a blast. And I loved it for guys like Reggie and Terrence Mann and then Amir Coffey and those guys that just really had an opportunity to shine I think if you would have told anybody, Kawhi's not playing. PG's going to miss three-fourths of the year. Batum and Morris will miss 20-plus games. Zoo's going to miss a couple of weeks. Kennard's going to miss a couple of weeks. I think you'd be wondering, did they, did they even win 20 games? But even when those guys were out, they found ways to win. And from my standpoint, you know, I just want it to be fun where the fans can entertain, be entertained and enjoy the process of building a championship team. And I know they didn't win it this year, but there are building blocks here that will help next year because let's just assume knock on wood, everybody is healthy. They're going to have days off. They're going to be very, you know, careful with these guys. So the Amir Coffees, the Terrence Manns of the world are going to have extended, you know, minutes for many games. Could that be the difference between a three-seed and a two-seed or a two-seed and a one-seed if they can pick up those in those kind of stayed-ready games that the players have talked about? So from my standpoint, I loved it. I hated the end. It was just cruel luck for, you know, Paul George to, to get COVID going into that Pelicans game, but give credit to the Pelicans, man. They hung tough and I mean, you look at the West next year, it's going to yeah. be just crazy. So I feel good about with all that said, I still feel good. And we didn't even touch on the great addition that was Norman Powell. So I'm just super fired up and, and um, I had a great
0: year all the way around. Yeah. And you mentioned kind of where I was going next with obviously this front office led by Lawrence Frank has done such a tremendous job since he's taken over. And I think one thing that was highlighted this year, as you mentioned that trade for Norman Powell and Robert Covington, where, and you give up a couple of guys who obviously were helpful and Eric Bledsoe and a young guy and Kean Johnson uh, and Justice Winslow. But getting someone like Norm Powell, a 20-point score, and then Covington, we saw his impact on both ends of the floor. Being able to add that to said, the stars and the core, I think that's the reason uh, the excitement level is so high going into next year.
1: I mean, it was. It, I remember seeing the deal go down and I'm like, wait. What? <laughs> and for the record, and to be clear, I didn't get to know Keon very well, but I did have a few conversations with Justice Winslow, and I knew Eric from his time before. They're just good dudes. Like, yeah. this was just a, this was pure business uh, going forward, contractually, age-wise. Eric Bledsoe was awesome and helped win games, as you pointed out. And I had, I had obviously known Norman Powell of Norman Powell and, and paid some attention to him at UCLA. And I remember we played them in uh, Toronto in the preseason, uh, maybe back in 2017, maybe 2018. And I'm like, oh, that guy's pretty good. But you never know until you see them and you're rooting for them, just the little things that they can do. And he is tough as nails, he is a perfect compliment to Kawhi MPG. He can get into the paint at will. He's a, not a willing defender. He's a terrific defender that can knock down the three. I just, I thought that they were just hitting home runs. And then there was Robert Covington who (laughs) I was like, Oh, you know, he'll have a role maybe. And you know, after about 10 games, I, and I always like to look at on off numbers in the advanced stats, like what is the offense when he's on the floor, off the floor. And the numbers were jarring. Like, I'm like this guy, I mean, this guy might be the most important player on the team right now as far as the role that he's been given. And I was elated when they signed him. He's also just a terrific guy. So, too, is Norman Powell. I mean, the entire team, and it has not always been this way, line top to bottom. You can go up to somebody, chat with them, and they're just going to give you an honest opinion, and they're going to be very respectful of your time. And, you know, it's just a great place to be a Clipper fan right now. The future very bright.
0: Yeah, and it, something that was super exciting about this past year was all the comebacks. Now, I'm sure as a as a broadcaster just as it would be a fan, that's a roller coaster of emotions, <laughs> but but for you going through those games where, I don't know, as a as a fellow broadcaster, sometimes you're just in a game where it's a blowout and you got to kind of fill the air, but for those games, did you get the sense as the season went along that this team was never out of it and you were just always kind of expecting something from this team, uh, you know, from the Philly game to the Denver game to of course the wizards come back. What were those experiences like for you uh, being on the microphone?
1: Oh, it was a blast. You know, um, sometimes you prepare ahead of time thinking that the game is going to be a blowout. Look, for example, we were in Brooklyn and mm. we had nobody Marcus <laughs> Morris was out, Batum was, I mean, we had literally nobody playing for us and they had everybody coming back and we had played the night before and in my mind I'm like okay let's let's plant some things here so that we can talk about them in the second half that we can have dialogue and maybe it's entertaining and then of course Clippers battle back from 15 down I think in the fourth quarter and win the game but like I I, I think the answer to your question is yes I just come to expect that we're going to get back into it especially if the 20 point lead happens in the first half and <laughs> it's just the biggest credit not only to the the heart that the players have to play with and their hustle that they have but I just think okay, Ty Lu's gonna pull a rabbit out of a hat once again, and we're gonna find a way to get back into it. And yeah, he makes the adjustments, but the players make the plays, and it top to bottom. There is such a great kinship between the coaching staff and the players that you have to have to be able to do that, not just once, but I think they did it five times this year. A twenty points comeback. I always feel like if you're in the plus in that category, but you're you're in good position. Like if you have lost a twenty point lead, but you have won two times when down 20, I feel like you're in a good spot. I think the Clippers lost one 20 point lead this year and the one five. So I felt that, you know, they've just got this mentality and you've got a core group coming back. That's done it before. So there's always going to be that in the back of their mind, like, Hey, we we can do this. We know the, we know that there is plenty of time. We got to get stops. We got to get scores and let's go to work. So they are super fun. The buzzer beaters are always great too, but those 20 point comebacks, I think I feel So much better just about the team, the mindset, because it takes both sides of the ball to get it done. It takes a team effort to get it done. So I always feel much better after wins like that.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned, obviously, different groups, different teams from the past with the Clippers might have had the opposite issue where they'd have big leads. You might not have trusted it as much. So to see it be on the flip side where you're kind of always expecting them to to make a run and get get back in it is, is definitely a great thing to see.
1: Yeah, it's fun. It's, and you know, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Cause I think the Clippers will have plenty of 20 point leads next year and you just got to continue to play. So it's going to be a, a mental challenge as well as a physical challenge next year for the Clippers, but uh, I'm pretty sure
0: they're up for it. Yeah, and you mentioned Ty Lue and the coaching staff. He's obviously been revered rightfully. So for, for the job that he's done as a head coach, obviously both with Cleveland and with the Clippers now, uh, what have you seen being around him and the team and traveling with them just those adjustments that we all see that he makes and just kind of always having his finger on the right button to push for the Clippers.
1: Well, it's funny. And I've asked him, I, I asked him earlier in the year uh, off the record about, uh, so is this the best game plan for these guys? <laughs> and, and he would be, he just look at me. And then there was an important, I remember there was late in the season, There was an important game and and I asked him, is the, uh, on the air, I'm like, is this the best game plan to attack? I think it was Denver. And he goes, <laughs> come on, man. He's like, no, I got <laughs> other stuff. I hope I got a better one. But he did, you know, he's very close to the vest. And that's one thing that I take away. He is super. Um, conservative in the regular season and kind of behind the scenes he's building up this huge armada of plays and and ways to counter uh, your best ability and and magnify your biggest weakness every team has them including the Clippers but Ty I feel does the best job of covering them up and exposing on the other side his demeanor is one that is very chill. Like he, you know, the players will talk about how relaxed he is. That's who he is. I mean, he has to get on guys every once in a while, but it's not for long. And it's not because he doesn't like them or he doesn't feel they're doing the right. Day. He just gets him to wake up, but he, he's a real wizard on the sidelines. And, and I'd make the argument he's the best X's and O's coach in the NBA. And there are some very good ones. Don't get me wrong. But I think what he has done over these last two years in the most difficult circumstances kind of shows you what he's about
0: yeah and you talked about uh obviously the team and just the the character of the group and I think when you think about Tai Lue and especially these playoff type games even in the play-in game someone who's not hesitant to maybe take out a lineup that's been playing all year put in a different rotation sit a guy who might not be have sat a lot the whole year I think that shows kind of the buy-in from the whole team of those guys being able to to handle that whether it's Patrick Beverly sitting out a round last year, and then coming back the next round and being ready, or Zubat sitting out in the playing game and then coming back and being ready. So, um, I think that just speaks to to the group and, and obviously how much you have to buy into to maybe take some some harsh truths or games where you might want to play and, and might not be able to.
1: You I, I you nailed it. And uh, earlier today on ESPN, Pat Beverly mentioned, "Look, man, I, he, these are Pat's words, not mine." He yeah. felt that the Suns should have benched Chris Paul. He said Tyloo would have done it. I was benched last year against Luca because I couldn't guard him. And then nobody talks about it because we won the series. Yeah. You know, Ty, it's it's one thing to do it. You know, I mean, a lot of coaches could do it, but it, in their mind, do they have the relationship? Do they have the trust that they can go back to that player next game, next round? And I think that's where some coaches may get gun shy, but the relationship between Ty and the players. It is so valuable, and it is so well-groomed. These guys understand Ty's there to win. He's not there to send a message. He's not trying to you know, bench somebody because he doesn't like them. He's trying to win the game, and this is the best way to do it, and the players believe in him, and that is such a huge deal so that when you go back to a Pat Beverly in that Utah series, he delivers, and in that game six, he was huge down the stretch for the Clippers, so he's got a great demeanor and a great basketball mind
0: yeah and looking forward to next year we know we talked about the expectations uh it's probably the best problem to have to add two of the best players in the league into your lineup after not having that for most of the year but what do you think that adjustment period's like you have the whole offseason, you have training camp but uh you know a different identity of a team where you're going back to a couple of more ball-centric superstars still obviously great players around them but just adjusting to to you know, a different expectation and different guys in the lineup.
1: Well, it's a great point because I think there will be an adjustment that goes beyond training camp. I think it's going to go maybe into the new year, but that doesn't mean they won't win games. You know, when you go back to that 18-19 season that we talked about where the Clippers won 48 games and they did it with heart and hustle and all that kind of stuff, you insert Kawhi and PG, and it felt like, and this is not a knock on anybody, it felt like the, the old crew, Almost was paralyzed. I just kind of felt like they were not the same mentality. Nor could, I don't think they could have been. Yeah. Uh, with the the supernova that is Kawhi Leonard and the crazy skill set that that Paul George has, they just I don't think they could be the same. And it took them a while to figure it out. Now they did ultimately get there, but I'm not sure they were able to really get to the peak of what their potential was. I still think in a non-COVID world, no one will ever tell me different that they win that title next year will be an interesting situation. You're going to have a different voice on the sideline than you did in in the 1920 season in that first year with Kawhi and PG. And I think that there's a familiarity there with everybody that truths can be told. And, And I think that moves can be made that we've just talked about where roles will be diminished from what they were this year. But I think the players are going to be open to it, knowing what sits at the end of the season, potentially for them. There will be an adjustment, but uh, I don't expect it to be something that can't be overcome. I mean, there's just a wealth of talent, and I think everybody is going to be all hands on deck and do whatever it takes. If that means certain players get five less shots a game than they did last year, they're going to do it, and I don't think there's going to be an issue.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, one place you can look for similarities and certainly Golden State has a little bit more of a championship pedigree. But you look at them the past couple of years without Klay Thompson and all the injuries where they missed the playoffs by losing two playing games last year. Now they're in the conference finals. So showing that that example is right there in front of them, that that path can be done when you get back to full health.
1: And, and, and you know, we mentioned that the building blocks for this year will be next year. Look at what happened to Golden State. Jordan Poole comes out of those two years where they're just kind of lottery bound one year and then last year losing in the play-in. And now he's as valuable as any piece that they've got on that roster. I think the same things will be happening for the Clippers next year. So you bring up a great point with Golden State.
0: Yeah, and Uh, I know you mentioned uh, Pat Beverly and obviously the playoffs going on right now. Yeah. Never shy uh, about being outspoken uh, and his opinions might not reflect the entirety of the league, but uh, as you said, he was on ESPN first take and get up this morning. um, Very critical of of the Suns. We know there's some history there with him and Chris Paul, but it does seem like there's a sense around the league of uh, maybe some joy in this Phoenix loss. Uh, What have you, do you get that sense around the league and what were your thoughts of, as you said, a very, surprising game seven loss for them to the Mavericks but just what you saw from last night and kind of the reaction from around the league
1: no I'll be honest I thought Phoenix was going to the finals I didn't know who was coming out of the east I thought that they may be favored in one matchup and maybe not another I thought Golden State would give them all they could handle and I thought that I was very curious about what Luka could do to Phoenix knowing that we had two of the best wing defenders (laughs) in league history, like literally some of the best ever. And he just picked us apart and and took us to seven games. And I thought, well, maybe there's a tighter defensive side over there. You know, I, I didn't know what to expect. So I truly am stunned that Phoenix lost period. And then to lose the way they did in that game seven, mind blowing. Yeah. Knowing. How the conference finals went last year, there was a lot of trash being talked and a lot of stuff (laughs) being spoken to directed at, you know, at uh, Paul George and and Pat Beverly. And you know what? Phoenix beat us last year. I get it. We didn't have Kawhi. That's fine. You got to play who's in front of you. The Suns don't have that choice. But there was a lot of language all throughout the year, a lot of chippiness when, when Phoenix would come into town, but they had earned that right because they had the best team in the league. They were a top three offense, top three defense there. You know, there were so many metrics that were in their favor, but what do they always say about the playoffs? It comes down to the matchups. And I look, I look at that surrounding cast for, for Dallas and it doesn't do much for me, but boy, I'll tell you what, when you get Luka Doncic and all the attention goes to him, I mean, you can get some open looks and they did it. And I'll say this, too. I didn't know if Jason Kidd was going to be a great hire. I thought he was phenomenal. And we were in Dallas. I know you're asking about the Suns, but I'd love to go around the block to go next door to answer. Yeah, I
0: love love where this is going. We (laughs)
1: were in Dallas when the trade happened with Chris Depp's Porzingis going to the Wizards. They brought in Bertans and and Dinwiddie. And I'll be honest, like for real, both sides, like we were there. and, And a lot of Mavs people that I was talking to were stunned and a little like downtrodden about the trade, and it felt like they were punting for this year. It, it did. It felt like they were punting and trying to see what they could do in the summer. Give Dallas front office all of the flowers. I mean, they deserve every petal because Dinwiddie was a hero yesterday. Bertans was big in those wins when they were knocking down threes. And so I don't know if people weren't afraid of Phoenix. I thought they had my respect for sure because I appreciated the way they moved the ball. They're young. They were hungry. And a lot of times you see when you're left at the altar the year before that you come back with a vengeance. Yeah. But the difference from this year to last year, I touched on a, a little bit earlier. Phoenix went to a healthy team in Dallas. And when they lost in the finals, they lost to a healthy Milwaukee team So there's holes in that Phoenix Suns roster. What works in 82 doesn't always work in seven. And it'll be interesting to see what happens. But they talk a lot of trash and they're going to hear about it next year for sure. And just off the top of my head, as I continue to ramble on this simple question that you (laughs) asked me 30 minutes ago, look at the top four of the West a year from now. Okay, Knock on wood, there's no entries going forward for any team, but in no order, Clippers, Mavericks, Memphis. Denver where does Phoenix fall in there if, if you get a healthy Zion Williamson for 70 games where does New Orleans go with the way they finished I mean you've got five teams potentially there and I'm, I'm I didn't even mention Golden State Golden oh by State. the way they're in the <laughs> they're in the conference finals so is Phoenix going to win a lot of games yeah but I think that they've got things to address and DeAndre Ayton is one a second score that's under 37 is going to be a major priority for them and I'll tell you what, you know, pay attention to what happens in Utah. You're hearing rumors that they're going to keep it the way it is because they want to have all-star representation in Salt Lake City, which is a terrible decision. (laughs) But those pieces there could change the needle somewhere, maybe out West, maybe out East. There's just so much drama. And this is why I love this league, man. I could talk forever (laughs) about what could happen. But again, I just keep going back to it's a good time to be a Clipper.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's what, you look at that you nailed it on the head there with the Western conference. And you think about, you know, you always hear teams, especially young teams like Memphis, who is going to be very good again, but, Oh, we'll get back here next year. But then you don't realize or think that, as you said, the Clippers will get Kawhi Leonard back. The Nuggets will get Jamal Murray and Michael Porter back. Just all of these teams. You said the West really loading up. Uh, it's going to be a, we're not even done with this year, but it's going to be a, cra- a crazy year next year with, with all the competition.
1: I mean, this league is, is something else that I, I, I know people refer to the eighties as the golden era and I grew up in that era. So I, those guys were giants to me, magic, Larry, Michael, I don't remember if ever the league has ever been this talented, this competitive, this fun, this much drama, uh, heroes and villains. And I mean, it is everything you could want. You know, I I know a lot of people want to hate the Celtics because of the Celtics, man, I love Tatum. I love Brown. And Marcus Smart is one of my favorite players. If they win it, I'd be rooting for him. I'd be good for them. I mean, it is there are so many feel good stories and and so many great players in this league that you can't help cheer for. And, you know, just watching the playoffs, it's been fun from afar, knowing that we've got a great future in front of us. But these conference finals are going to be so much such a blast. I can't wait. I just cannot wait.
0: And that was going to be my next question. I know it's it's been a hard playoffs to predict, but but what do you see uh, just in your view of, of what happens in this conference finals and, and you know who you give the edge to for the championship?
1: I will say my after so during the Nets series, I felt that the Celtics had a level that I, I don't remember them having. Yeah. And I give them the edge. So to answer your question quickly before I again go off on it. I was, I, uh, that's what my, we're here for. So it's
0: all good.
1: <laughs> part, of, part of my off season is I go back and I watch all the games and I take notes about our performance and about the, the show. And I had recently watched the Celtics game and reminder, I think we played Boston twice before the new year. Okay. Yeah. And I think it was coach Mike Fratello and myself were wondering, Boston was kind of floundering. They're under 500. They've got a young coach and we were saying, Hey, there are people talking about how Brown and Tatum really like each other off the floor, but it is not working on the floor. Maybe Brown gets moved going forward. How crazy is that? Yeah. And now here we are. Those two guys are as good of a one-two punch as there is in the league. But don't overlook Miami you can't have anything but respect for the culture, uh, the coaching from Spolstra. You know, you know it's funny, uh, when, when Jimmy Butler was in Minnesota, then went to Philly, he was the villain. Everybody thought he was a bad guy. As it turns out, none of those guys were like-minded. Like, he wants to win at all costs and get into the gym and work out. He goes to Miami, perfect fit, perfect mindset. They will be legit. Obviously, there's the experience at the Golden State Warriors. Here's a fun fact: the last team to beat the Warriors in the playoffs in the Western Conference, the 2014 LA Clippers. Isn't wow. that crazy? <laughs> I thought there was going to be some symmetry there with Chris Paul getting to the conference finals and having that matchup again. But you know, I, I just uh, you you can never underestimate the intangibles that that champions bring to the table. And then what leads us to Luka Doncic, who <laughs> I, I will say this and, and and maybe I'm either saying something completely obvious or silly, but I think he's the most difficult matchup in the league. And that not, not just remaining in the playoffs in the league because he can take centers and bring you outside. We saw what he could do to a, a, a player like Chris Paul. I mean, he's a problem. And I don't know if his supporting cast is terrific. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. look at the, the, the warriors and I'm like, man, that's a scary trio there plus pool plus you know all these guys they got going on uh, but I mean I won't ever count him out I, I really won't I mean you could tell early yesterday that this kid, this guy was going for blood in that first quarter and it was a lot of fun to watch so uh, I feel that it's Boston I feel that they're going to get it done but I just gave you the reasons why any of those teams could get it done and I'm just going to root as a fan for great basketball and injury free hoops that's what I'm rooting for
0: Yeah, no question. And the Luka thing, as you mentioned, I've had the same thought where you look at Dallas's roster, you know, a lot of guys who kind of bounced around the league, you know, Reggie Bullock, who's been at a number of stops, including the Clippers, you know, when he was first drafted. Uh, But yeah, just a lot of guys that, I guess, compliment Luka in terms of their shooting and their defense, but nothing that kind of jumps out off the page in terms of their talent level. But it speaks to how incredible Luka Doncic is and you know, he's a different type of player, obviously, than than LeBron, but you think back to some of those early LeBron Cavs teams where you know, Luke is a better shooter, a little less athletic, but similar kind of setup with such an amazing number one player and then guys that fit around him. And, and clearly it shows just, just how difficult he is. And at least from the Clippers' perspective, we get to watch him do this against someone else. And Thank God. And, and not against the Clippers.
1: <laughs> It was funny because there was a game, I think it was against Phoenix, where they were just reigning in threes. And I remember... The first three or four games of the series last year, they had hit, I think they hit 54% of their threes. I had the number written down and I apologize if I'm off, but it was that level of madness of like, what are you supposed to do when they're hitting all these threes? But because he generates so much attention in that environment, in the playoff atmosphere all those players are going to be wide open. And, you know, I like those guys as role players, but he's making them all-stars and, and to his credit, like if you can elevate everyone around you, that's to me is the mark of a terrific superstar. And I, I, he, the dude's 23, like uh, that should frighten everybody. I tell my boys, my youngest is a big fan of basketball. He's 11. And I said, here's the deal. You're going to be 30 years old and he is still going to be crushing it. You're (laughs) going to have kids and you're going to say, I saw Luka Doncic play his rookie year because that's how good he is. His game will age beautifully. I just hope he stays healthy. He and Jokic could be running this league, but the way they play uh, for another couple of decades, and I'd be all for it because those guys are so fun to watch.
0: Yeah, and uh, looking forward to the, to the offseason uh, for, for the Clippers, uh, we know that they pretty much have the deck stacked in terms of what the roster is going to be, but what do you, do you think they have any moves to make? Obviously, they re-signed Covington. We know Batum has a player option. Uh, But what do you see for them in the offseason in terms of where you see them going if they're going to add anything more? You
1: know, it's funny, as I I mentioned at the start of our show, uh, 42 and 40 didn't make the playoffs Yet I couldn't feel better about where we're headed. It it might be the first time in history where a team doesn't make the playoffs, finishes just two games over 500. And I'm like, run it back, run the whole thing back. And I don't know if they will be able to do that. The one piece that. Uh, I would love to get back, but I'm worried and to his great credit and his great reward will be Isaiah Hartenstein. I don't know what the market will be for him. Uh, I'm rooting for whatever happens that is the best case scenario for him. He he bet on himself and he's going to get paid handsomely. He can still get paid handsomely by the Clippers, but he, I don't know how much they have to offer versus what somebody else could come and swoop in and give him a well-deserved contract. Um, you know, people talk about playmaker. They talk about maybe a backup point guard. I don't know what the front office is thinking. Uh, like I said, if they ran this thing back, we're still going to be the favorites in Vegas to get it done. Uh, if they make a tweak or two, this is the beauty of this kind of day and age Uh, with the Clippers. And I know you've been on both sides of the tracks. Like I have, you know, a decade, maybe 15 years ago, when I first started any move that was made, I'm like, this is a money saving move. They're just trying to, to, they're trying to tank. And you doubt every, you doubt the sincerity of the move. Now it is whatever they do. I'm like, this is, this is a winner. What I, I didn't see this happening. I wouldn't have traded X, Y, or Z, or this isn't what I was looking for but it always is the right play. And I'm not saying I've ever really disagreed with something they're doing, but it just to show the blind faith that we have with this front office, with the coaching staff, it's just, it's a, it's a glorious place to live after the decades of embarrassment. And I've been there for many of those years. It is such a fun place to exist. And so where they get better. I don't know. Do they need to get better? They're always looking to, And these guys are obviously looking into the margins and and little things like that. But the player development has worked and their recruiting pitch has worked and they're ready to put pen to paper going forward.
0: Yeah, no question about it. Uh, Brian, we know you said in the offseason, you kind of go back and look at broadcasts. Um, What else goes on? I know you have a lot of family time in the offseason as well. But but what does the offseason entail for you? Um, Are you working on new coffee puns? What what goes (laughs) goes into the offseason for you?
1: The coffee pot is running low. Uh, I'll say that. I don't know how many more cups I've got left, but honestly, I, uh, I, you know, right now when the boys are in school, they get out in a few weeks, I take the time during the day to, to go back and watch those games. I take notes mostly about my performance and what I would like to see better. Uh, did I set up the analyst? Is there a running thing that every game I do well or don't do well? And, um, you know, I, I'm obsessive about it and it's, 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 uh, it's rough because I often leave feeling, man, who are you fooling to get this? <laughs> you, you, you are fooling people. And I get very concerned and nervous about the season to begin so that I can rectify whatever. But after that, uh, my, my wife works. And so I'm Mr. Mom, I've got a teenager and a, and a soon to be 12 year old. So it's, it's, uh, fun to break up fights and then when we're not breaking up fights, we're either at the beach or Disneyland. We're at one of those two places, but it's fun. I've got a great life. Every day is a great day uh, during the season. If I'm doing a game, if I'm prepping for a game, or in the summer when I get to spend a ton of time with my family, really help my wife out and take some off some stuff off of her plate.
0: But uh, I've won the lottery, that's for sure. Yeah, there, well, there's no question. I can speak for all of Clipper Nation that. Yeah, no need to worry. You do a tremendous job. And it's, it's a <laughs> real nice pleasure to, to, <laughs> to watch you and watch Clippers Basketball with you announcing. Um, Brian, before I let you go, I know you're a big Star Wars fan. This feels like the perfect time just in the world for Star Wars fans. You've got, obviously, all these shows. You've got the Obi-Wan show coming out. We had Book of Boba Fett, obviously Mandalorian. So this is, I just feel like this has to be a good time for you in terms of just content uh, with Star Wars, with everything going on.
1: It's great. And, you know, I I have to stop myself sometimes because I was so head first into it at all times and growing up as, you know, a Star Wars nerd. And then I began, I became the guy and I feel like sometimes I hedge into this area where I hate watch them, like not the original (laughs) three. It's the new ones that have come out and I'm like, this is a joke and this doesn't make sense. And I just nitpick it and I got to stop. And the thing that's great about these new shows is that there's a new vision, there's new ideas uh, you know, the Mandalorian was next level. I enjoyed Book of Boba Fett. I like the slow burn. Who knew that John Favreau of Swingers fame was going to be the guy that helped save the Star Wars kind of franchise? And uh I've loved it. And you know, we we go to we go to Disneyland and we go through Star Wars land, and I just have a blast with it all. So I'm really looking forward to the Obi-Wan. Uh, and it's funny because you're getting these guys to come back and play characters, guys that are like I feel really. You know, committed to the craft of acting for them to come back and play these roles. I'm excited for it. So, uh, I'm I'm very grateful for the shows and Disney Plus for putting these out because it it gets rid of like the the most recent trilogy was just utter garbage. I don't even want to go into it. <laughs> utter trash but like rogue one was great top three top three movie you had solo which was super fun and then i mentioned mandalorian book of boba fett now you're starting to get back content that brings star wars fans together in in an agreement so i'm thinking back i don't know if i've ever sounded like a bigger dork than i have in the last (laughs) three minutes but i will wear it because (laughs) i love it and i'm super fired up about it
0: no, we we love that, and uh, and obviously, as we said, Clipper Nation appreciates everything that you do for the Clippers, and and hopefully, the force is with the Clippers uh, this this upcoming season. <laughs> this is the way. This yes. is the way. Yeah. So, Brian, thanks so much for for coming on the show again. We really appreciate you taking the time. Jesse always have time for you. And a big thanks once again to Brian Seaman for coming on the show, uh, great broadcaster and representative for the Clippers, and very happy and lucky to have him back on the show. Uh, he does such a tremendous job, and uh, as we said, lucky to have him here with with Clipper Nation. Uh, that is going to do it for this week's episode. As we said, Alex Acker will be back to join me for next week, and we'll be breaking down all of the conference finals action. We'll have the NBA draft lottery, so we can touch on that, and... and everything else there's always nba drama we'll be here to cover it right here on the believe in clippers podcast so a big thanks again to brian seaman a big thanks to you guys for for tuning in as always if you enjoy the show please rate review and subscribe on apple or wherever you get your podcasts we are available everywhere so that's going to do it for this week's show we'll talk to you again next week on the believe podcast network la's number one sports podcast network and the only place with a show for every team in la and more we believe in our la teams do you believe go clips